Welcome back to Division One Rejects. I'm Kobe Manzo. Joined by two large humans tonight. We have names. Well, we do have names. Hey. Jack Chappelle and Trevor Lee in the studio tonight. Thank ah. you. Thank you. Ah. Yeah, here there we go, you. fellas. Glad to have you. Where that clapping coming from? Don't know. Okay. Well, it's episode 128 of Division One Rejects. September 14th. We'll be joined here shortly by... The man who I guess is probably the best tight end in Division II football, boys, kind of big time, Devin Garrison. He was uh, AP All-American last year and was, I think, second in receiving yards, and this year is poised to have a super big year for Pittsburgh State. So he joins us here shortly. Um, but otherwise, we've got uh, Week 3 game previews, Division II, Division Three-wise, and kind of an interesting twist. We did, if you follow us on the socials, you already saw it, but uh, the games of the week that we kind of picked, we had AI generate, how would you, how would you, what would you call it, like a mascot battle between the two of them? Um, That's a good way of wording it. Yeah, I can think of a ma- uh, mascot matchup. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. Face off. Face off. <laughs> like Duel. Du- That's what I was trying to go for. Duel. Well, That's what it looks like. Being thrown around, but uh, one. we did. So we'll check out those uh, AI uh, renderings here, kind of shortly. But uh, a lot of great games to cover. Both Division Two and Division Three. These guys will be around for the D two side of things. Uh, Jimmy Martin will be around later to talk all things Division Three football with us. Jimbo. Otherwise. Got some good stories for us. We had a quarterback at the D2 level last week. Um, I don't know how I missed this, by the way. He ran for three touchdowns, threw a touchdown, and caught a touchdown. This is a crazy stat line, and his name is not Taysom Hill, actually. That'd be weird if Taysom Hill was playing in a D2 football If he <laughs> did play, that'd be kind of concerning. Otherwise, there is a uh, new Division II HBCU Bowl. The CIAA and the SEAC have... Uh, I guess not joined, but they've uh, partnered on a new bowl game that will be featured uh, later on, I guess, in this postseason that we're going to talk about a little How bit. Does... Okay, we'll talk about it later. Well, have you got a question? Go ahead. How would that work? Like, How do you mean? Is it two teams that don't make the playoffs? Yes, typically. Yeah, okay. so you have a lot of them at the, the D3 level as well. I know there's one between the GMAC and the GLVC. I think it's the something-something Crossroads Bowl. Uh-huh. So, like, I think I've Hillsdale played it, it last like year. The second, it's like the yes. second best in the league. Usually. Absolutely, because whoever doesn't make the playoffs yeah. ends up playing in that. Yeah. So, I know, like, last year, you talk about, like, the Culver's Isthmus Bowl. Um, that was River Falls ended up winning that one. I know that's the WEAC and some other conference. They take... I guess the best team that doesn't make the playoffs, they give them another game. So it's yeah. kind of just, it's neat. Yeah. Cool idea. Sure. Isn't that crazy that River Falls, they're probably, what, the fourth best team in that league? And they got to play in, so that means three of the other teams <laughs> made the playoffs. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You're right. And this year, you've got four in the top 25 right now. If the season ended tonight, they would all be in the playoffs. So For sure. Pretty cool. But yeah. uh, we'll talk about all that and more. We've got a, uh, a specialist group. It's an FCS video, but I made an exception for D1 Rejects. It's a specialist group running around campus seeing if regular average Joes can make kicks. It's pretty <laughs> funny. we got a video to react to. But um, as always, watch this episode on YouTube. If you are, don't forget the timestamps, bottom of the screen. Fast forward to any part of the episode. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Timestamps will be in the description on those platforms as well. Follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter. Hit it up, TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Let's go right to the conversation with Devin. Join us on the show tonight. He was an AP All-American in 2022, the 6'6", 240-pound tight end from Pittsburgh State. We're in week two. The dude's already got some highlight reel catches. It's Devin Garrison. What's going on, man? What's going on? Good to be here. Not a whole lot, brother. Now, looking up, you know, look up all these guys before the show. You're 6'6", 240 on the roster. You're like 5, 10 pounds different on another publication. You gain an inch here. You lose an inch there. Where are they getting these tangibles from, dude? I don't know. I call myself... Six five, two forty, 
They like to add six six, but you know, <laughs> who they yeah. want to call it. Nothing wrong with a low roster height, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like over here at Northern, like when I was still on the squad, like I'm I'm in with I work with all of our SIDs and things like that. So I'm about five nine in person on that roster. Oh fuck that, I'm five eleven. Oh yeah, no, big time. Right. Big time. <laughs> I hear you, man. Um, but let's talk about uh this past weekend for you guys a little bit. And I was texting Trace and he just said, I'm basically like I'm wanting an explanation because after this, you know, you guys look at a squad coming off an 11-0 year, um, very big expectations for you guys. You you certainly have not underperformed, but looking at halftime against Fort Hayes and you're like, holy shit, like what's going on here? Trace simply said, he said, man, we're a second-half team, apparently. Apparently we're just a second-half team, man. Talk to me about that. I mean, that's all great and all, but I think we still have some things to figure out. Um, sure. In the whole, the whole deal. Um I think this week we're going to really look to try and get things going early on and then continue our second half momentum. Um, I mean, I feel like that second half was great. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of frustrated in that first half and still trying to get in the swing of things. And then eventually it all started clicking for us. Yeah. Big time, dude. And I, uh, I put out on our, our Twitter doing rejects. I was like, you know, at halftime, you know, I put out a little upset alert tweet. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. I, I may as well post it. This might be a freaking game. I don't know if that was uh, circulating around the locker room at halftime or something, and that was the fire that y'all needed or what? I mean, I saw it after the game. I'm like, uh, probably not, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's all good. I, I feel uh, it. That's funny, man. In my head, I'm like, man, that they did not age well. But you know what? Sometimes you, you got to leave them up there. You got to just leave yeah. them up there. Ain't no going back and, and cleaning stuff up. But you were a big part of that comeback. Finished with 90 yards and a touchdown and uh, a, really a third-quarter explosion for that offense. I think it was 20 points in the third quarter. And you went on to score two more touchdowns in the fourth. Um, you talked about you guys started clicking in the second half. Was it something in particular? Or was it just altogether things just started falling into place for you guys offensively? I think it's just kind of a mental thing sometimes. Um, it takes – maybe a minute for people to relax, get into a game versus just, you know, going out there doing their thing. Um, With our guys, like, I feel like we all know what we're doing, what we're supposed to do out there. It's just going out there, executing, being relaxed and comfortable with what we have to do. I hear you. I hear you. Now coming up this next week, you talk about getting off and getting early in one of these games. You're going to have to do that. You know, you're going on the road, Central Missouri, they're coming off a really commanding win over UCO and uh, that's a team where, you know, if you don't get off to the right start, it's going to be hard to dig yourself out of a hole against, uh, is it the Mules and, like, the Jennies? They got, like, a split. They got yeah. one of them split things going on over there. But um, that's a squad that it would be tough to dig yourself uh, out of a hole from just because of the quality of team. So I'd imagine, like you said, that's been kind of the rhetoric this week is, like, we have to come out and start extremely fast. There can't be this, like, honeymoon period in the first, uh, you know, first half. For sure. Um, I mean, we've heard all week how much of a, an explosive offense they are and how good they are, in which I agree. They've put up a good amount of numbers um, these first couple of games. Um, it's just about, about us doing what we know we can do and yeah. going out there and executing, and I think we'll we'll get the job done. That's pretty pretty good uh, coach speak from your brother. You're, you're trained well. I don't know if uh, you got – you can take the cue cards out from behind the monitor, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. No, but that, that's the right answer. That you're saying you're saying all the right things. That's what you're supposed to say. But um, we talk about more of the fun side of that comes with being a gorilla, being on this squad. Talk about the gorilla walk before the games, man. I didn't get to ask Trace, but I totally forgot when we had him on here. But everything that goes into a game day at the jungle, right? It feels like 
that's got to be one of the more premier game day experiences in the Division II world. Tell me about that, man. Absolutely. I think it's just an electric experience. Like, it's something um, I don't think a lot of other D2s, D3s, and maybe even D1s really can compare to. Um, you have almost like the whole town lined up, um, cheering you on, smacking you on the head, getting you ready to go as you're entering uh, into the stadium. Um, there's nothing really like it. Um, and then once the game gets going, there's it's packed house every weekend. Um, our fans are like nothing else. Um, they'll talk smack with the best of them. And, yeah, it gets rowdy in there. I love it, dude. I feel like I'm trying to think of, you know, obviously there are some big Power 5 schools. And Michigan State always does one, South Carolina and Clemson, those squads that have that long walk yeah. into the stadium. And there's just people everywhere is that um, – you know, that kind of energy. But for you guys to be able to do that on this level, like it might seem like a small thing, but I mean, you know it, I guarantee recruits. Like if I'm, if I'm recruiting there, I'm like, get your ass in the back of the line, come through here with us and then see if you want to come play here or not. Right. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it was like, I was um, getting recruited. I was always like, all right, if I'm going to go D2, I'm going to go to Minnesota school. And then I found out about, about like, all the Pittsburgh state facilities and what their game day is like and uh, their pass, their winning pass. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that. So oh, yeah. absolutely dude. And talk about that pass a little bit. Like I said earlier, coming off an 11 0 year, MIAA championship, obviously didn't finish how you wanted to, right. As far as the playoffs are concerned. And I wanted to touch on because, you know, I feel like you hear some guys, some guys talk about, especially in the NFL, like, you know, can we fast forward to the playoffs guys in those teams that, you know, are going to end up being in that situation. I get a little smile out of you already, but um, because you want to take that next jump, that next step as a program, how do you as a team that has some really marquee games on the schedule, central Missouri being only one of them, you know, how do you, I guess, so to speak, keep the blinders on and keep guys from looking that far forward and really treating every opponent. Like this is a playoff game because you know, at the division two level, all of a sudden you lose a game and you're not guaranteed anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last year, I know it was really tough for us because um, we built that thing up so, like, from the ground up, and we really got to where where we wanted to be, really. And then losing the in the fashion that we did in such a tight game and then them going on to win it all is just was tough. Um, mm -hmm. And then having to restart again, going into the spring ball and through summer and all that, I mean, it's you just got to look at it as one day at a time, really. Um it is tough because like you were so close, but I think we have an opportunity now to reload and get back to where um, we hopefully want to end up. Yeah, for sure. One more shot. This is last shot for you, right? As far as, you know, making a run at the natty this year. Last shot. How does that, uh, how does that change the mindset a little bit, especially, you know, you know, being around the guys and just like, Hey, mother, like get in line. Like this is our last, this is my last <laughs> time to do this. Like this no more, no more goof around. Not that you were before, right? Not that you were before, oh, but like, no more half-assing this stuff. Like, this is it. All or nothing for this squad, man. Buy in. I mean, for me, these past couple of years, I've even gotten a shot to make the playoffs and make a run at it. It's I, for me, it hasn't been about myself at all. It's been about those seniors and giving those guys the opportunity to try and make it to the playoffs and then go on to win a national championship. Um, I've had a really good group in front of me leading the way and showing me like the right things to do. And it, it absolutely crushed me when we didn't make it two years ago to the playoffs and mm -hmm. losing the way we did then. And then last year, um, not being able to get it done for those guys either. It's, it's been tough. And now I just 
want to try and do it for the group of seniors we have now and hopefully get it done. Quality answer. Quality answer. See, part of my job, too, is with you guys because, like, how many media or, like, shows have you done in your time at, at Pitt State over there? Not a lot. I mean, we'll talk, like, uh, to the media a little bit. Yeah. Um, do some weekly questions, but that'd be about it. Yeah, so that's my job is come on here, be a little obnoxious, start to lead you a little astray with that last question, you know, talking about you, you, you. You know what you did? You took it, flipped it around. We do it for the seniors over here. The grills do it for the seniors. <laughs> you're good, Absolutely. man. You're on, the good, you're on good track because hopefully you're playing somewhere in a couple of years. You're going to have people that are a lot more obnoxious than myself and start <laughs> leading you down these paths. That was good, dude. Um, but talk about – this guerrilla offense, where do you guys feel you're at right now? And I guess more importantly, what is the ceiling for this offense and uh, in your eyes, what you guys are capable of over there? Um, I mean, I think we got playmakers all over the field and we haven't really gotten to where we want to be yet. Um, you look at Chad and what he's done in the past, just yep. just a winner. Um, Colby Katzis, uh, freshman of the year last year. Dog. Um, Trace, you know, like. Dog. Basically, the Trent Williams of D2 football. I know we yes, called Travis that. I love that, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, we got – and then we have a three-headed monster in our backfield. Um, it's just like we got playmakers all over the field. It's just about us going out there and executing each and every week and getting the job done, really. I love it. I am going to ask you about you a little bit, but I'm not going to tell you to make a pro comparison. It's too, way too basic of a question. We're not stooping that low today. But uh, a pro tight end you like watching, maybe especially like one of the younger guys the last couple of years that's made their way into the league. I mean, for me, it's not really a younger guy. I always kind of compared myself to like a Jimmy Graham, a okay. guy who can just go up and make plays up and down the field. Um, I love just going deep and just – making plays that way and then the fade ball. But I, I, I feel like I'm a guy who can run really any route in the route tree and then go out and make any type of block you need, really. Unicorn, man. That's what they call you guys. You know that? Yeah, for sure. You like that? Yeah, I guess. I'm not going <laughs> to. I feel like that's a love or hater deal. I don't know if it, you can be kind of in between. I mean, my dad had a unicorn tattoo growing up. So I guess I'll love it, but uh, Wait, what? Yeah, um, he had uh, unicorn. Oh, say, do we get a story or? Yeah. It was growing up. I think he was young, just wanted to get a tattoo. Had it right here, and then eventually got it covered up with a Chicago Bears tattoo. So, oh, that's actually get put the unicorn back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Ah, oh, but. That's all I got for you tonight, brother. I appreciate you uh, hopping on here quick, talking a little ball. I'm excited to see you guys continue to go forward. I mean, I talked about some of, you know, uh, Central Missouri this week, obviously a big one, but then you look down the road, man. And again, you don't get to look down the road. I get to because I'm not the one suiting up on Saturday for you guys, but uh, Emporia State, Northwest Missouri State, you got other Missouri Southern, those type of squads that are that are down there. So uh, we'll definitely, uh, this won't be the last time we talk, my man. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate right. you having me. All right, Devin. Have a good one, man. Thank you, Devin, for coming on. Appreciate uh, having him. We'll stay in the Division II realm of things, guys. But uh, these games we're going to talk about, we got a little bit of a twist, and that being the AI-generated matchups that we have. So I guess we can probably start with uh, this first one, that being uh, Assumption, who is currently number 23 in the country. All these rankings we talk about are according to D2Football.com. It's easy to just keep them all to one ranking. So number 23, Assumption. At number four, Grand Valley, we've got... The Greyhounds perched on, like, this cliff overlooking the water. And if you look really closely on the socials, you zoom in, 
you've got what's his name the the Louis is it Louis the Laker for yeah, Grand Louis Valley the Laker, it yeah. is so Louis is actually perched um, on that little pirate ship in the cove over is there is he really yeah. I can't even tell no it's pretty well, on the the left side no on the on in the pirate ship right yeah in yeah. the ship it's well, a Kind of a smaller it's not a pirate ship. I, it, I guess it could be a pirate ship. He's the prompt that I gave Photoshop said "black pirate ship," so that's that's what it gave me. Nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he's a and I would assume yes. they're the Greyhounds. Assumption. They are. You would you would assume correctly that's good, on that. That's a good assumption. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this one's already off to an outstanding start. Sorry, I had that was here, incredible. Here we go. That was incredible. That was good. Um, Kobe man, this round of applause when you made it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all of these uh, little renderings I'm going to show you are actually just made in Photoshop, which is really sweet. It's using the generative fill tool that utilizes their like Firefly artificial intelligence that um, literally I'm giving these things prompts. Um, there's some actual elements in here, but 90% of what you're seeing, I just make a box and I tell Photoshop what to insert. And Very it's cool. it goes forever. So, you just give all your secrets away, though. It's open source software. I mean, it's not anything crazy. Cut that. Um, but... Let's talk about the game itself here a little bit. Um, Assumption at Grand Valley, another nationally ranked opponent for GVSU. What a way to start your career, man. If you're Scott Wooster, you go two mines, you come back home for a nationally ranked CSU Pueblo team, and now you're hosting the Greyhounds, another top 25 team. I just, I just don't think this is going to be much of a game, to be honest with you. I would agree with you. I just – I didn't are they know. Assumptions in the NE10? They are the – they're picked, I believe, actually second in the NE10 behind New Haven. I just I don't see him even co- have a much of a fighting chance. I saw clips of or, you know the Grand Valley game from last week, and they're fast. They play fast, so they'd have assumption would have to definitely. They're gonna have to match. Yeah, they have to, they match, have to match that intensity. I just match, yeah. match, and I had, I didn't even know what assumption was until five minutes ago sitting down. So yeah. could have assumed. Yeah, but oh. but you know a question mark for the Lakers heading into this one the quarterback situation right I don't know I don't. I guess I could have texted one of our guys over there, but I'm not really. I don't really pressure them for information like that. But like, is Cade Peterson 100 percent for this game? Because he went out and had to do concussion protocol and sat out. If you remember, most of the second half, it of was that kind CSU of a, it was a game. nasty hit. It I mean, was, and they got flags. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, know, I could and picture the him being string, out. The second string's down too. The second yeah. string, Avery Moore, is also hurt. So we saw Alex Thole had to come in, and who actually played pretty. He did pretty darn well. But Cade Peterson, Alex Thole, they're still definitely. Yeah. He's a redshirt There's freshman. A that was yeah. his first snaps. So but, yeah, if that's if Thole I mean, is the starter for them, you know, all of a sudden that game could be a lot more interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, they but did. it did prove like if Cade Peterson does go down, yes, they have other options. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And um, you know what helps a quarterback like that is when you have a run game like GVSU had in that last one. Tariq Reed was all over the place, and more importantly, that offensive oh, line was say, just line dogging them people. at the line of scrimmage. So that's a big piece for them, and that's something I think Assumption will definitely have to match is that size and that interior like in the trenches right there um but a big piece for me first of all brian kelly graduated from assumption kind of a cool little piece so that might have been what fostered the initial connection to get a game contract done um but for me for gv this is a great schedule because assumption when they're a nationally ranked opponent so picking up you know if they can go and pick up a win off of assumption here they're a nationally ranked opponent looks good on their on their schedule looks good on their resume when it comes to the playoffs also, Assumption's going to win a lot of games this year. They're in the NE10. They're not going to play, you know, New Haven, obviously great squad. There's a couple teams in there that will give them a challenge. But for the most part, 
they're going to run through the NE10 and win a lot of games this year. So if Grand if, Valley can pick up this win. New Haven assumption, and isn't it Southern Connecticut? Yeah, Southern Connecticut had a those, pretty good game against Shepard this last those week. Those are like the three bi- big or the better I would teams. say 1A, 1B, and 2. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, I just think if assumption can even like put up a decent fight, it shows like people will start looking at him like, this is a pretty good team. Yeah, you know like people I mean? would like Jack might actually know about him after this weekend, yeah. huh? And not okay, just make uh, assumptions you know. about them. All right, we need to move on. Yeah, one. Maybe one time, maybe one time too many. I yeah, apologize, Greyhound, Greyhound fans. But um, we can we can talk um, a little bit about the next one, and that one being probably the game, fellas, that I'm uh, most excited about. Now, if we go scroll down here, you can see a trio of English bulldogs coming down the trail towards the grizzly bear. This is my favorite, like as far as the actual graphics go. This is awesome. And the prompt I gave here for these Bulldogs, um, you make your little box in Photoshop, and I literally told it, I said, three mean, scary English Bulldogs walking towards the camera. Yeah, that looks like it. And they're not scary. They're kind of adorable, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, there's nothing scary there's about no them. There's no snarl. There's no teeth showing. Nothing. Charge. <laughs> it does. It looks like Sarge up there. Uh, but, you know, jokes aside, this render, Ferris State going to play at uh, Division One FCS Montana, who is a really respectable yeah. Division One squad. We talked about some D2 teams that upset Division One FCS schools last week in teams like Delaware State and Mississippi Valley and some of those yeah. squads. No knock to them. They are not on the level that, that this Montana yeah. team is on. I correct? think they're ranked 12 in FCS, I want to say. Yeah, somewhere between the, 12 and 15 right yeah, in that's there. that's the number in my head, yep. but... That's big. It's a big time game. For I them. think it'll be close. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I don't think it'll be as close as people think it is. Um, I don't know. So some notes for Different me. Level of football. Fair State, number one in Division Two right now. Back to back national champions. You know, at FCS Montana. The big thing. Couple takeaways. Ferris, not been playing a very clean brand of football. You look at this last game where they're trailing Ashland at half. You know why? A big part of that. Almost two hundred yards in penalties for the Bulldogs last week. That's sloppy football. Coach Anise will not have that over there. That's not their MO. Um, And they definitely need to clean that up because if you do that, you're going to find yourself out of this game probably very quickly. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot for this type of game. And now um, another key takeaway for me, Montana, they've not had a true test yet. They beat Butler in week one, which is a glorified NAIA program. I'm not even going to say respectfully because that's just what it is to me. But, you know, Ferris State is a lot better than that Butler team. Ferris State is also a lot better than the team they beat next, Utah Tech, 43-13. Ferris State would handle both those teams easily. So I think Montana should have a good inkling of, like, going into this game knowing that Ferris State's going to be a solid competition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they I better, don't, they I don't think they're going to look over them by any means. No. They shouldn't. I don't think they should look over them by any means. People talk, too, a lot about how, you know, you make that move up from Division Three, Division Two to Division One. finally. What's the one thing that changes the most? Speed. Trenches. Is, I think yeah. has been the most common answer the last, like, five years or so. Is like the guys, the big guys in the middle. Like, yeah. our guys across from you are bigger, meaner, tougher, and more disciplined. Like, that's, to me, as what it felt like. And I think... One of the latest people to say that was actually Shadur Sanders, right? Yeah. Talking about his move up from Jackson State to Colorado. Didn't he say something along yeah, those he lines? Yeah, said, he said the biggest difference for me is the D-line are just bigger and faster. Yep. Yeah. He said, so, like, that's the biggest difference that he notices. So, for me, that's something that looking at Ferris's play style, the smash-mouth type of Gleak football that we've seen from them, can that stack up against an FCS team that should be pretty physically imposing at mm-hmm. the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage? Uh, if they can do that, 
good on him. Ferris does have, you know, they've got size. Like, I don't want to make oh, it seem no, like well, it's they, David I mean, versus fucking Goliath. No, they're a different brand of football, yeah. too, though. I mean, they they got dudes up front. They're on a different type of offense than people are used to seeing nowadays. Yeah, they um, run. They technically still run the veer. Like, yeah. it's a weird. And the center snaps the ball veer, with two yeah. hands. You remember seeing that? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's um, different. I mean, they, and the thing is, Ferris State's got what? Probably fifteen to twenty guys that have all played at the Division One level. That's that a great point too. Back. This is yeah. This is not a D two I mean, team like, from you know some homegrown squad from Western Michigan. You know what I mean? No, this yeah. is this is the team. I mean, this is the team in Division Two football. So yeah, that's a great point too. Like these guys have all. I shouldn't say all. A lot of these guys have competed at that level in, in some way, shape, or form, and uh, or go on to go play somewhere. Very true. Or go like, like a Connor Near, like we had on the show, is yeah, now yeah. one of the linebackers over at Oklahoma. That's, yeah, I mean, if you or they like go to the next level and they get paid like uh, Sealer, talking for Sealer. Yeah. Yep, yeah, uh, you got Sealer on the Dolphins. Yeah, got thirty-eight a, mil, thirty-eight mil. Yeah, Woo! Um, Chuck Bittner, one of the columnists for D2Football.com, had a great, he had a great line. He did a little preview. Definitely check out his column. Um, I know I liked it. I might have to retweet on the D2 or D1 Rejects account. But his quote is that. This is very much like Appalachian State playing Michigan in 2007. That was his quote. Appalachian State and Michigan comparison. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of the that's that's the way he looked at it a little bit because well, Michigan was a lot better than Appalachian State though in that point, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. But that's what that's what he's saying like for Montana though, like this is a this is a lose lose. Like yeah. when you schedule this, you know, they're a Division 2 team, you're paying them to come out there. Um your fans obviously expect a pretty large win and if you do that, okay, you beat a Division II team. No, yeah. But all just, of a sudden, yeah. you lose this one, you're like, what? You know what yeah. I mean? For a, casual, a more casual football fan, mm-hmm. seeing the title associated with that. What's the point of them? See, I don't even know. What's the point of scheduling a game like this? For Ferris, I think it's pretty obvious. Coach Neese oh, actually Ferris touched is, on it. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, like, you get money. You get actually a shot at winning the game. Mm-hmm. So you can go beat a Division One team and make, you know, His big biggest thing is actually but, the atmosphere. And, like, trying to replicate – I really liked his his quote from practice the other day. He spoke with the media and uh, kind of, you know, botchly trying to repeat it. But he said it's very hard to replicate a playoff atmosphere in the regular season. Now, you get to, like, an anchor bone classic. I'm sure that feels like well, yeah, the playoffs. That's, but that's yeah. rowdy. It's very hard to replicate that. So if you can go to a Division One stadium like Montana where – Which is an incredible stadium, it by is. the way. And it, it gets is rowdy. Beautiful. Those people will show up and show out. If you can get in that environment and get – a lot of these new guys, they have accustomed to that style and that type of environment. Huge benefit for them moving uh, down the road. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get why Montana would want to play in this, but I understand Ferris State. 100%. That is a great question. Why? What is the what benefits them? Because the they, they, they think they get a win. So lose, lose. I don't know. I really don't. You're I really paying don't know. someone to come, and they might beat you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. When that. you put it like that. Next squad, though, I want to talk a little bit about is this giant orange critter right here. That's uh, West Florida, who's number six currently in Division II. They're playing at uh, Florida A&M. FAMU, I guess they're more probably uh, associated as. So we've got the the two little Argos there um, trying to take on this massive serpent in the jungle. I love it. The one is already, like, throwing a shield on the ground. It's like, I'm, out. I'm over I'm out. this shit. Yeah, this, well, this is, is kind of cool, though, big. because isn't, isn't FAMU D1 too? They are. Yeah. So it's like. Like the little D two program trying to beat the D, you know, the big Division one program. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely, like. the first thing I thought of. Yeah, I love it. Um, and that's kind of the story of this. Now, I will say these two teams did scrimmage a couple years ago, and supposedly uh, the Argos had got the better half of FAMU in that one. And you know, if it were a real game, I guess would have won pretty handedly. 
in that, which is just something to note. But obviously, I think that was two years ago. New year, new squads, a lot of different pieces. Uh, brand new coach for UWF, right? Like, there's a lot of different things that I change between now and then. Okay. I agree. Okay. I think I if there's one Florida. upset that's going to happen this week, I think it's that's these guys. You look at what they've done uh, the past two weeks. Huge wins over at Kentucky Wesleyan and McKendry. Um, not maybe the greatest not the one, yeah. opponents, but you still they're you a big win. Took they're huge wins, yeah. And it, it wasn't like a you know I talked with Devin Garrison earlier about they got behind against Fort Hayes State, a team that they should have just came out and pounced on. You know what I mean? West Florida has come out. They've gotten ahead early and they've put these games away in early. Like very consistent fashion. And, yeah. yeah, quick, very yeah. quick. Defensively, look at some of the transfers they brought in. Offensively, Pee Wee Jarrett is there. They've got some talent um, in the wide receiver room. A lot of pieces back on that offensive line. Their head coach is not new to this scene at all. He's already coached there. He played there. Yeah. I mean, things are stacking up for them very nicely. This would be a nice notch on the schedule for the oh, for yeah. the Argos. Yeah. Um, I guess my one knock against West Florida, though, they haven't been tested. And there's uh, I think there's yeah. a dual edge, there's a double edged sword to that in that one. You know, we haven't seen what they could do against an opponent like this. But two, I think an, another great point made by Bittner in his article is that we may have not seen the full hand from West Florida. They could no. still have a ton of tricks and different yeah. uh, things up their sleeve because they haven't been forced to use that stuff yet. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, they put everybody away, like you said, fashionably. I mean, they just put everything, you know, yeah. putting teams down. You know, yep. you look at a team like, you know, Fair State, you know, they beat all the teams they're supposed to, but they haven't done it like by you know, 20, 30 points like they probably should have. Like, yeah. You know, West Florida, they're putting people away. It's like the thing that coaches always say, like playing to the level of your opponent. Absolutely. You know I mean? They yeah. have not That's done real. that. That's real. And West Florida has not done that at whatsoever. And that happens a lot. And so looking at FAMU and their schedule, they took a 28-10 to 10 win over Jackson State in week one in SWAC play, which is a pretty, pretty solid win for that program. Uh, was that before or after the rapper came in, did the music video in the locker room? You remember that? No, I actually don't. You guys did not see that? No. There was this whole, uh, there was this like one of his boys, like a rapper, and they brought him in. They shot a whole music video and the whole thing like, you know, got suspended. Like the football program, like all operations got suspended for a little bit. It was this whole deal. This year? I think pretty sure. Yeah. No way. Pretty sure it was this I year. I feel like I would have heard about that. Yeah, yeah That's dude. crazy. I'll follow up on it in a second. But uh, week two, they lose 24-38 to uh, USF. So, you know, kind of a middle of the road FBS squad there. So, I think this could be this could be a pretty fun one. This could be yeah. a pretty fun one to watch. I'm excited to see that. Uh, moving on, though, we've got one more uh, fun little render here to look at. And this one, up in the mountains, Colorado. That's Western Colorado at number 21, CSU Pueblo. And we've got the uh, the Mountaineers and then, obviously, the Wolves, the Thunder Wolves, technically. But uh, I don't know if Photoshop knows what a Thunder Wolf is. So we just stuck I don't think anyone Jane. knows what a Thunder Wolf is. That's a great question. Like I don't, I don't think the very the Thunder Wolf isn't very scary. No. no Talking about the logo or the actual wolves in the, the picture? The logo. I would not, you know, if a Thunder Wolf came at me, I don't know what a Thunder Wolf is. <laughs> but if a wolf in general came at me, then, yeah. When, they, when they howl, yeah. it just thunder occurs, I think. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad. Wow. That'd be pretty intimidating, too, though. It would be. This looks yeah. like an old school, like, movie. Yeah, right? It's like, like, like a, a West bad, Western. It's a bad old school Western movie with some no name. Why actor. is it a bad one? <laughs> Why is it a bad Have one? Have you ever seen a good one with like this? Like <laughs> this, they spent all their money on the cover for you to come watch it, and they just put nothing into the. <laughs> That's funny, dude. I had to like for the prompt here. I, like I kept trying to say like 
fur trader, pioneer, like uh, Western, you know what I mean? And it kept getting it wrong, and I couldn't get something that hit right. And then I had I added uh, 1700s in front of the prompt. Immediately, you get came out like this, and it was, yeah, I got what I think is, is a mountaineer. Yeah, I would say that's He doesn't have a red beard. He's more like a cowboy, close. but yeah. yeah. Well, what's the difference between a cowboy and a mountaineer? They're like cousins. Cowboy, baby. Opening league play, though, with these two, I guess my biggest thing is that these are some serious RMAC implications. Uh, mine's obviously the top dog, it appears, in this conference, but I guess the biggest point I want to get across is that either of these two teams could certainly end up making a run for this league and coming out on top, and you know, it's not necessarily a battle for second place. I think it's kind of the association these two squads have right now. Western Colorado has been out to a very hot start. Could certainly make the argument to be a top 25 team at this moment. So whoever comes out of this is definitely in second place, but could certainly be in a couple weeks the driving the driver's seat. I guess the right expression, right? The driver's seat of yeah. that uh, RMAC over there. So I, I liked the way that CSU Pueblo looked, though. They did. They looked good, dude. Chance Fuller, that quarterback for them, just turned it on when he needed mm-hmm. it, and that offense was... Their offense is electric. Very it's opportunistic like, team in yeah. general, though. You talk about the block field goal, pick six. Like, they kept making plays, and all of a sudden they tie that game up, and it yeah. was... At a certain point, those plays aren't just of chance. That's people yes. just working yeah. their ass off. Absolutely, dude. These guys out there just grinding, wanting to win. They're playing very... Uh, I guarantee you that's all, that's all you need to win. Yeah, they're guys playing complimentary football. Too. Yes, and it's like I think we talked with Nick Thomas. It's like they say this a lot, but like with Ferris State, like you know, making your own luck. I think that was kind of his quote, like making your own luck, like being out there and doing that for yourself, and just being opportunistic in, in that way. Yeah. But um, the Mountaineers certainly haven't been very flashy, flashy offensively. I think they average like 250 yards um, on offense, but they've been getting the job done. They've picked up a couple really quality wins over some uh, LSC Lone Star Conference teams. Week 1, 28-6 over West Texas A&M. That was a team picked on the upper half of that conference in the preseason polls. And then to go back at home, 35-27 over UTPB, that being Texas Permian Bays, and that's the same squad that just put up 90-some points. Yeah, so, they were on a little bit of a winner's high, but I think they might have been. I mean, yeah. you beat a team ninety six to zero. Yeah, I'm sure they're on a bit of a winner's high. Still, we've seen some crazy scores like that. Isn't that like, ridiculous? Like, I've never in my life seen a ninety <laughs> to zero game, and I've seen like three or four of them already oh, this year. Man. That's outrageous. It is, but two quality wins for that uh, Western Colorado team would not be surprised. Um, you know. I would not be incredibly surprised if they go in there and, and pick up a, a W, but that defense has been uh, playing pretty pretty well. They've been pretty stingy on that side of the ball. So that's pretty big time. Otherwise, though, a couple other quick notes here on some games. Wayne State, that being Wayne State University in Michigan at number 19, Indianapolis. A decent amount of hype around this new Wayne State squad. Tyrone Wheatley at the helm. Um, can they pull off the big upset on the road? Um, I don't know how. I don't know Indiana- a ton about each team. I don't know. You know, I remember watching Indianapolis last year a little bit. My oh. big thing on Indianapolis was we remember what happened last time that the Indy number eight in the in the country at the time played a Gleak team. They got killed. They get routed thirty eight fourteen against unranked SVSU, and that not to say the history will repeat itself, but. For me, Indy has just been inconsistent. And when you come out of a conference like the GLVC that does not have the strength of schedule that a GLIAC or and Wayne the State's NSIC. been playing competitive games. They beat they beat Missouri S and T. Right? They did. They actually did. Which yeah. I don't know how good they are this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm not sure. Actually, I haven't really seen enough. Right, it's week two. Yeah, it's so. week two. And, and then, then their week one loss was, was to Slippery Rock. Slippery Rock, who's a top twenty five. They're squad. always a good well, squad. Mm-hmm. So, so that'll be an interesting game. Agreed. I'm I'm actually pretty excited. 
um, about that game and definitely some some new faces for Wayne State that have been uh, contributing. I guess looking, there was a 31-24 win at home over Missouri S&T and just taking a look into that box score a little bit for the Warriors. And you had uh, two faces play <clears throat> a bit of quarterback, that being uh, Eli McLean and uh, Jaden Waddle. And they only threw the ball 11 times in that game. You're boys. Jalen Waddle? Jaden. Oh, wow. Jaden. Sorry. Wait, yeah. Like, that would have been crazy. Well, okay. We're talking about Taysom Hill and playing Taysom Hill. Playing. Yeah, both Damn. Teams. <laughs> they threw the ball combined 11 times between the, through, uh, between the two of them. Excuse That's me. Crazy. Are they splitting reps? It would appear so. They, uh, you know, McLean had five throws and then Waddle had six. It appears neither one of them throw the ball well. I, well, you know they had well, they two. They had a touchdown. The they had a touchdown apiece. Waddle threw a fifty-seven yard touchdown pass. Looks like I don't know if that was a, screen, a screen or a deep yeah. ball, right? <laughs> but um, you know the rushing attack is where they've been able to get things going. Kendall Williams is a name that we know from last year. I think it was a second team All Conference. Gleak selection out of the backfield. There, he's a smaller, shiftier guy. Explosive plays can get out in the receiving game. Um, but Demarco Singleton is a name that I'm not as familiar with. He had ten rushes for 110 yards um, and a touchdown. He had a long of 68. Again, a name that I don't know a whole lot about. Not sure where he's from, That's but good stats, though. hello to Marco. Yeah. Kind of a big uh, big game from the kid there. But um, receiving-wise, not too much going on. Wow. Tavion Warren, three catches, 105 yards, though. That's something. Yeah. Only 11, For a team uh, that threw the ball 11 times to have 100 yards as a receiver is crazy. Well, he obviously had the 57 yards. <laughs> he did have the 57 That's a great deduction. <laughs> what did they... Uh, I'm, what, not what a, they? I'm not a math magician. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I ain't no math major. Uh, um, what did uh, what they stat-wise, what they put up? What rushing? I mean, they had to run the ball then, so what they put up rushing? Oh, I just closed the box score, but it was it was around 200 yards, I believe. It wasn't anything uh, insane, but it was you know a pretty good showing on the ground. Now, last game for us, uh, guys, here. Hillsdale at Ashland, two teams that are technically unranked, but Ashland, you talk about a team that has been extremely competitive, and I put here in my notes, like, easily the best 0-2 team in the country right now. Like, no question. Well, they, they lose. Played, yeah. Yeah. They lose a really close one to, I believe at the time, it was number 16, IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, 17-24. It was a last-minute touchdown from IUP that put them ahead in that one. And then you got number one, Ferris State in town. You lose that by 10 points. You're leading at halftime. Um, for an Ashland team with a new head coach, a new quarterback, like, if you came out and won both those games, I mean, it's not really a surprise to lose those games. Ashland still probably picked to run the table, I would assume, in the GMAC. I guess we'll see this week, huh? I mean, it's either them or Tiffin. <clears throat> Right? I mean, that's how yeah, it basically has been for the past how many. And they actually have Tiffin not this weekend, but next week. Is, that'll, well, be, that'll be, be a, a big th- matchup. Yeah. Well, you know, Hillsdale might be on a revenge tour, though. They did get beat 45, what, 10? 45, 20? Yeah, I mean, they up might, at Michigan they, Tech. Yeah, they might They might be on a little, you know, having to drive back. It was at home. It was at Michigan Tech, too. Having Hillsdale to is on the road again, though, at Ashland. Yeah. I, know, I, I mean, know. that's there, not that might far be, of a drive. No. There might, be a little, uh, there might be a little fire there. There might be. Yeah. There definitely might be, boys. Um, finally, though, a couple stories on the D2 side of things. I wanted to talk about this quarterback who had a ridiculous stat line this past weekend. I don't know how I missed this from Finley University. Alec Bornhorst here. This guy, man. Look at that. Three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. It says, the first player in program history to run, throw, and catch touchdown in a single game. That's going to be so for like, the Oilers, in everybody's. Man. In everybody's. There's no way people have done that before. Right? 
That's a different quarterback than those at Finley. That's his. This is his first year starting, isn't it? I think so. And shout out to him. I have a game like that right <laughs> off the bat. That is so sweet. So kind of this is just kind of a shout out to him. But like, I almost want to go through and like dig up some video. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what did his catch? Was it a trick play? Was it one of those like Marcus Mariota where like he gets he, batted and caught back to his him? His one you know? passing touchdown was also his one receiving touchdown. <laughs> Wait. He oh, threw it. That, is that how that could work? Technically, yeah. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that be? I don't know. But what would he have to? I mean, he'd have to hit, I guess, an offensive line helmet or something. No, the one with it Mariota could, hit the if someone's hand and it bounced gets, back to him. If it gets deflected and caught, it's still a catch. Oh, these okay, are real then, questions we need then, to have. Now, now we need to figure it out. Yeah, we it might. Prob- it was that. probably just a, like a, a trick least, play. Yeah, yeah. A trick play. Philly yeah. special would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool, but. It, other one's kind of cooler. The other yeah. explanation. It would be really yeah. cool. So, shout out to Alec, man. That's so sweet. Uh, that's that's a really cool accomplishment to have. And then the other piece I had here, guys, uh, one of the last couple here, is uh, the SEAC, the CIAA, to be featured in a December bowl game. The piece, um, I picked it up from hbcugameday.com. And talking about it's the uh, Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the SEAC. They are announcing their participation in the 2023 Florida Beach Bowl. And that is... Uh, Two outstanding programs, quote, from the SEAC and then the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. It's uh, going to be played on Wednesday, December 13th at Miami's DRV PNK Stadium. What is that? I don't you know. look it up now. I might, actually. Do we know off the Some, rip? I, I think Someone has a, to play there. I think that's a sweet thing that they do. No, that is I really I cool. I like bowl games. It's the more cool. bowl games that they can do for D2, the the better, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. We talked about two. Like, what's there only what? For those two or three? teams. Only two or three. Yeah, there's only a couple. But for those teams that aren't making the playoffs but still have. They had a really good really year. Like solid showing. Oh, dude, it's, uh, I think it, it's Inter-Miami FC's stadium. Where you Messi know the, where plays? Messi plays? No way. That's the stadium. I'm, oh, pull, really? I'm pulling it up. Nice. I'm pulling it up. Hold on. Give me just a second here. But, yeah, it's definitely, it's the, uh, talk, it's the place where Messi plays. Can we talk about Finley Oilers being uh, Why is that verified? the lowest resolution picture I have ever seen in my life? Good. Oh, that'll be, that'll be really cool, though. Give me a second, guys. I'm finding a better one. Can we talk about Finley, the Finley football program being verified on Twitter? Did they pay for that shit? Oh, get out. Did they really? I didn't notice that. I just noticed that. They that's might not have paid for it. They might have got it. No, you got to pay for it now. But anyways, that's the stadium. It's inner Miami FC. It's That'll different. Be cool. That'll be so cool. It's very that, different. That place, because, like, those soccer stadiums are so loud. Yeah? They seem pretty open to me. Like, it's not a full bowl or anything. They, they get loud, do you think? Echo location. I'd love to go to one of those messy games. But you ever seen the tickets? Bounces off the wall. And have you ever seen those show. messy games? How much those tickets yeah. are? Yeah, yeah. 5.30. I'm surprised I don't put some freaking nosebleeds over in the corner there to get some more money out of people. You know what I mean? This is D1R Rejects where we now talk about <laughs> Lionel Messi. Yeah, wait, this is a, a kind of a weird tangent, but that is where they will uh, play the games, which is pretty cool. And it's there's a five-day lineup for events that will precede the main event as far as this goes. On Friday, December 8th, there's a celebrity golf tournament. I don't know who the hell is going to be there. Maybe Messi? Maybe Messi? Messi? I doubt it. I'm going to go on one second. Messi at an HBCU football golf event? Probably not. I heard he's going to be at the game. <laughs> Um, on Saturday is a 5K run. There is a prayer breakfast on the 10th. Is that supposed to be prayer or player? I don't it, know. The 10th is that snow. It is. Uh, It'll be Sunday. It's Sunday, so, yeah, so well, maybe it is a prayer breakfast. You got a media day, a coach's luncheon, and then fan festival and game day on uh, Wednesday. It's a Wednesday game day into December. That's a lot more football for these guys too. Forever, you know, two squads end up playing. If in they the don't make the playoffs. They're done. Yep. Oh my God, they're done like November. 
Yeah, dude. That's a long time before you play a football game again. It's there's like no November eleventh. I, I mean, there's that weekend is usually the last week. November eleventh. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Damn, Northern Michigan's last game. That'd be imagine waiting around like that. It's like the college football playoff. Like they have all that time. That's a month. Yeah. So do you take like a week off yeah, and then? Get I feel back like to you it? have to, right? You have to, and then I bet you only practice two, three days a week. I don't know though. Good, maybe, maybe not. But our last piece for today, fellas. This is from South Dakota, the FCS squad. And oh, I saw their this. specialist team. We're gonna we'll go ahead and watch it here. This is pretty cool. They went around campus basically and surprised students walking around on campus to see if yeah. they could uh, go and kick a field goal. Is that so? <laughs> I'm gonna go. Here you go. The Coyote specialist. We're here on campus to see how many of you guys can make some kicks. Oh, yeah. oh, Look at this guy. Oh, Not bad. Oh, boy, baby. Isn't this awesome? The most unsuspecting football players, too. You know? Yes, dude. Here you go. Let's go. Here go. Let's go. Come on. Whack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. That's pretty funny. Pretty cool, though. Like you said, like, that's, that's a great, good. that is a great video idea of, like, you know that's going to do numbers on social. Like, people eat that stuff up, dude. That's pretty cool. Come on, Mikey Curlin. Maybe we should go. We could take you guys and go around campus and then. What are we going to do? One on one? Yes. You guys passed that. That was we'll put, that was pleaser, by the way. Was it number actually 40, pleaser? Number forty six. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Wait, 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 wait. That's pleaser. That's pleaser. Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. No. I did, but I didn't put that together. That that was probably him long yeah. snapping. Yeah, that's him long snapping. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Is he the starting long snapper there? Yeah. Yeah, they had a a thing where I guess they were out of one, and he just had to go in and fill fill a need. So he's a guy who played at Northern D two, and then is now long snapping up there for the Coyotes. Coyotes, uh, wolves, wolves. Uh, wolves are, they're either a coyote some type or a wolf. pack animal. Something maybe a th- not a thunder wolf though. Not a, th- not a thunder wolf. wolf. Yeah. There's but only one of those. That's all we've got, fellas. We're gonna go ahead and uh, cut over to the Division Three side of things with Jimmy Martin and uh, keep this thing going. Talk about some D three football previews. <whistles> Joining me now on the Division Three side of things doesn't need an intro. Jimmy, what's up, dude? How we doing? How we heard doing? Enough, heard enough intros. Well, we'll just get right into yeah. this, man. You had you had said it before we got on here. Like, there's not a ton of, I guess, uh, marquee like top twenty five ranked matchups, but that doesn't mean that this week isn't full of uh, a chalk full of a ton of really competitive, you know, some rivalry games, still some really good competition. Yep, uh, plenty of uh, hostile environments. Going to be uh, taking host to some ranked opponents this weekend, so definitely some games to have, have our eyes on for sure. Love it, dude. So, what do you want to What do you want to start with as far yeah. as you know breaking down some of these guys goes? So I'll uh, kind of gradually go up towards like the like bigger games. I would say here. I hear, but, you. Uh, I hear you. So our first game here on the Division One Rejects is number thirteen. Johns Hopkins heads to Salisbury. Yep. So Johns Hopkins coming in at number thirteen. Salisbury is unranked. However, they're number twenty five last week, and they lost to Mullenberg, who is now number twenty five. So, and that was a that was a close, hard fought game, and I expect nothing less of this one as well. Um, Johns Hopkins two and zero going on the road to a team that was just ranked. I mean, 
this is a big one for both sides, obviously. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of those wins for yeah. uh, Hopkins too. Are they are they the Blue Jays? Yeah, it's like their mascot, yep. but I don't know if it's like their name. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So one of those wins coming over Ithaca and an Ithaca team that you know had a previous, or I should say a preseason All-American quarterback over there in A.J. Wingfield and an offense that appeared to be at the start of the year, you know, thought was thought to be very dynamic. Hopkins goes in and gets the win over the Bombers there. And that was kind of like, I think their, you know, arrival, right? Like that's their statement type win. And now to continue to stack those as they head into maybe a little bit of conference play here and getting some of those continuing to stack chips over there for the Blue Jays. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Moving on, though, you wanted to talk. I know you're excited about this uh, Aurora and uh, Benedictine game. Yeah, yeah. So number 16, Aurora heads to Benedictine. So Aurora coming in 2-0, and went to the quarterfinals last year. Huge season for them and uh, Don Beebe over there in Aurora. And then, obviously, at Benedictine, right down the road. Benedictine 0-1, but they lost 42-41 last week to Loris. Nail-biter, heartbreaker. They're definitely uh, looking to bounce back. And then uh, this one was kind of an interesting one for me because – I have guys that I've coached with or been coached by or I've played with or vice versa all playing in this game. They all go to like throw it deep together, if you will. So uh, definitely something I've been looking at on the D3 scoreboard this week. So. Oh, 100%, dude. And yeah. uh, Benedictine, kind of an interesting piece here is they had uh, two guys, technically three at quarterback, but two guys splitting the snaps in that week one loss to Lourdes. You said 42-41. It was a freaking shootout. Um, but yeah. you had Hector Gonzalez and then Evan Wadajewski, and um, they went for 18 and 25 attempts each, ended up going uh, – it was Gonzalez at 162, and then Evan at 156. So a really even split there. Um, a touchdown for each of them. Each of them, Evan had actually two of them. So um, kind of a split there at quarterback for Benedictine, and then uh, the rushing attack and receiving attack pretty balanced as well. I mean, when you score 41 points, you're going to have a lot of contributors. I guess it kind of makes sense to have that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, certainly, certainly would say so for sure. And uh-huh. then uh, you said you wanted to moving your way up as far as um, I would assume we'll talk whitewater at the end. Do you want to talk? Uh, actually, I was going to talk first? about uh, the whitewater game first. Okay. Actually, let's do it. Because, let's do it. And you know, I know you saw I had, the, yeah. uh, the render we put out today. Obviously that was the one D three guy in there. I'll make sure to go back in and edit that over the, over the pod right now. Yeah. Like that, the uh-huh. hawk coming in with like the little crusaders oh, yeah. walking through the field of grass was sick, dude. Yeah, no, I uh, I reposted that one. That was that was like whoa. You you had like said something in the group chat, and I'm like, okay, like let's see what he's got. And then obviously, <laughs> obviously, Kobe exceeds my expectations as usual and just puts out these ridiculous graphics. So we have like 800 likes on that post right now, too. By the way, yeah, it's doing it's doing numbers. It's blowing up, dude. Yeah, it's blowing, blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That's good. That's good. But uh, so I have number four Whitewater, who's two and zero. They in the D1 rejects game of the week last week against St. John's. Uh, Totally just blew them out of the water. But interesting fact, though, St. John's was winning 28-21 in the third quarter. Yeah. And Whitewater just took it away from him. 35 on answer points, 56-28 final at Perkins yeah. Stadium. Uh, yeah, just a, I mean, definitely a competitive game through three quarters. And then, you know, Whitewater was just turned back into the Whitewater from – the mid 2010s again. Yeah. So, and I think the biggest yeah. piece to support that claim too uh, goes by the name of Tamir Thomas, as far as like getting back to that whitewater 17 carries mm-hmm. 180 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging over 10 yards a pop. Like 
that is whitewater football, dude. They're going to yeah. dominate the line of scrimmage. They got the guys up there to do that this year. Um, not to say their passing attack wasn't efficient, um, but it, you know, they didn't need it to be incredible. Like when you have that ground game going, your passing attack is mm-hmm. going to benefit from that regardless. So that was, I think that was what I said earlier this week is like, I think it's safe to say like whitewater is back and like, we can expect a, every game, every top caliber games guys going to have moving forward is going to be an exciting one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and uh, that kind of just goes to show you also, it's like the WIAC is really deep, too. Yes. Like, the WIAC and the WIAC, is there a correct WIAC. pronunciation? I believe it's the WIAC. That's it's what all WIAC. my teammates and coaches say, so I believe it's the WIAC, yes. Okay, because like, there must be me and my GLIAC, I just get, you know. Yeah, no, is. for sure. Because, uh, yeah, that's definitely understandable, for yeah, sure. For sure, yeah. Other one, so, though. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, our uh, Division One Rejects Week 3 game of the week is number 22, Suska- Susquehanna. Susquehanna, I knew I was going to botch that. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, uh, listeners from Susquehanna. There you go. Okay. And then they had two, number 10, Cortland. Yep. Uh, so I don't know if anyone on this podcast listening to this has um, But last week, I would have to imagine that Susquehanna had a scoregami winning six to five. Yes, that is a football score, six to five. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, the only – just a touchdown and a safety. And then, obviously, Susquehanna had six points, and that is more than five points. So, Susquehanna <laughs> came out with the victory. And, obviously, you know what they always say, winning ugly is sweet. Uh, you'll always take a victory no matter how you can get it. And now they're – Number twenty-two. So compare that to uh, Cortland's week two game uh, against Lacombe, where they scored sixty-two. Yes, and Cortland looks like an absolute powerhouse. They're rolling right now. Uh, sitting at number ten, they cracked into the top ten this week. Yep, averaging fifty-two points per game. Yeah, uh, I mean, two weeks in, I but still, yeah, yeah. And then obviously, you know, Susquehanna giving up only five points last week. You know, their defense must be pretty strong just based on that. Uh, that score there. So, I mean, maybe Cortland slows down. You know, we'll see, though. We'll see. Cortland at home coming off of a huge back-to-back blowout victories, including one against Delaware Valley. Yes. I mean, this one's going to be interesting. But I think Cortland might have the upper hand because they're at home and this high-powered offense. But Susquehanna has a lot to prove. And I think this is going to be a great matchup. Yeah, very balanced too, and that's that Delval game is what I wanted to talk about. They're extremely balanced yeah. in that game. Yeah. Look at out of the backfield, Jay and Alfonso St. John. It was twenty-seven carries for the kid in that Week One game for one hundred and seventy yards and one tud. His longest run on the day was eighteen yards, but he had one hundred and seventy. So he's grinding out yards for them. Uh, super balanced attack with Zach Boys uh, under center for them, and. You know, that team, like you said, the offense is incredibly balanced. They score a lot of points. Um, It will be interesting to see what they do against a little bit of a higher caliber of defense because, yes, DelVal was a a pretty prominent team coming into this season, but I don't think their defense was kind of one of their calling cards coming off of last year. I think they relied a lot more on that prototypical offense with our guy Louis Barrios uh, at the helm over there. So um, to see, for me, the first real test for this uh, Red Dragon offense from Cortland here um, to see how they match up against this team, like you said, at home. So it'd be, it'll, it'll be pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, like we said earlier, not as many top 25 matchups this week, yep. but a lot of games to keep your eyes on. Uh, rivalry games. And obviously, in, in last week, Salisbury was ranked 25. So we are a game away from having three ranked ma- top 25 ranked matchups again. So, um, 
Yeah, definitely keep your eye on the Susquehanna at Cortland and then, you know, Whitewater at Mary Harden Baylor. Is Mary Harden Baylor going to fall to 0-3? That is the question of the yeah. week. Yeah. Like, such a prominent program with just success year after year after year. This is a big one. This Agreed. is a freaking big one. One more I had Huge. kind of circled Huge. here on this, just looking through some of these games, man. Number 17, John Carroll at Baldwin-Wallace. For me, that's a big one because that's, oh, a, yeah. that's their opener in conference play, I do believe, correct? Is that the OAC? Yes. So yeah, you talk about I'm OAC is obviously, yeah. that's Mount Union's conference just about every year. But, you know, these squads, especially John Carroll in particular, Baldwin-Wallace has shown some great competition as well. But John Carroll, um, we talked a lot about Western Colorado and CSU Pueblo kind of trying to be in the driver's seat of the RMAC. I think John Carroll's in a very similar situation. Yes, Mount Union is still expected to win the conference, just like Colorado Mines is expected to win that. But the winner of this game not only is a lock basically for second place, also has a chance to run the table. And then if Mount Union does slip up in a game here or there, they get them head-to-head later in the year. You just never know. So for me, that John Carroll Baldwin Wallace game is big, not because of only just the second place implications in that conference, but because it's college football, man. Like teams drop shit all the time, and then all of a sudden you've got a new conference champion in 2023. So, yeah, pretty big. No, game. it should be interesting. You know, obviously John Carroll's not going to just lay down to Mount Union either. So uh, no. this should be a huge, huge, huge week. Obviously, prove a game for Baldwin Wallace too. Obviously, yeah. but. I mean, I think there's no reason why either of these teams can't make a push. So, oh, yeah, yeah, and we can we can touch on too. We've got uh, number fourteen lacrosse coming up to Northern Michigan, our homecoming this week, Jim. Yeah, it's gonna be that's a big one. I re- I refrained from using that one. I wanted to put that one, but I just I couldn't get myself to do it. I just there's something I just like ah, yeah. like I don't know because it was D two and D three. I'm like ah, uh, yep. might just take the D three. This could be. I saw that one. I'm like yeah. This is big. This, this will be big. a very telling week for Northern, obviously, you know, coming in, starting 0-2, and now having lacrosse come to town, and it's their homecoming game um, for Northern under new head coach Shane Richardson, and you want to get that first win with all of your alumni and everyone there that matters. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, I don't know much I can say, but if, if Northern Michigan is at full strength this week and other things going on, but lacrosse, you know, you can say D3 to D2, however you want. In the WIAC, I pronounced it correctly there. You got me. Yep. In the WIAC, yep. <laughs> you bring a squad like that up, a top 15 squad in the country, and, and Northern knows, like, this is not no pushover. Like, the same way that Ferris is going no, to Montana yeah. right now. Like, you yep. are going in there to compete for this game. This is not a game where you just come in and just to say you did it, right? So, look, definitely going to – Yeah. That will be a very competitive one. We'll see how that how that ends up. Yeah, it should be interesting. It should be a really interesting game, Bob. Obviously, I'll be cheering on the Cats, you know, because Better. Cross is our conference rival. Yes. So I love it. I love need, it. We Otherwise, need, we, I need cats, mean, we need the Cats to come through for sure. Yeah. We need the top three are, you know, North Central is playing Carthage, Mount Union's got Marietta, and then Warburg's got Buena Vista. So um, yeah. we would expect those to be pretty clear-swept games. But uh, sometimes, yeah. again, sometimes yeah. you never know. So I guess we'll we'll figure that out. But I am excited. Um, I guess we can – I didn't really say it earlier in the episode, but we'll be doing our Player of the Week selections this week will be our first time doing that, so I'm excited to, to do that with you, dude. You have a Division three, Division two, and potentially an NAIA Player of the Week this week from D1 Rejects. Can I, can I uh, make a prediction on the Division three Player of the Week? Right oh, yeah. Now? Oh, yeah. I believe it will be Arthur Cox from University of Wisconsin style. Okay. A little biased, but okay, that's fair. Uh, after hey, the, no, after the performance he's had, it's yeah. warranted. Yeah, we're going to save this clip, and then we're going to play it 
when Arthur wins player of the week with like 200 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. Who do you yeah. guys have this weekend? Gustavus Adolphus. Okay. I got you. Should be a really, really tough game. Now, that uh, they're, was a, they're they were team. a playoff team last year, correct? Yeah, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team. Okay. We actually we beat them last year on okay. the uh, last second touchdown. You know, it should be a battle. should be a battle. So, we're, uh, we're ready to go. Good. Good stuff, Jim. All right, brother. I appreciate you. We'll be back. Uh, you'll help me pick that out, the D3 game of the week and the D3 player of the week for this weekend, man. And uh, we'll see we'll get you back on next week, brother. Right on. Good? All right. Best of luck. See you, my man. Roll doubles. Roll doubles, baby. Yeah, throw it up, dude. I'll see you. Later.